Hello, welcome in, sit down, get comfortable. This is yet another episode of Between the Cones. Uh, as always, I'm your host, Jack Crum, and we've got a lot of interesting things to talk about this week. We are in week five after a kind of uh, bye week, if you will, given the rain and circumstances, in which case, you know, we couldn't take any stats and it was a mess. So we're going to skip through that, kind of summarize the last two weeks a little bit um, and talk about uh, where we currently sit in the MFL landscape. Uh, today, we're going to talk about three different teams. We have three different interviews with uh, three different people. We're going to start out by talking about the Sailors. Uh, they're on the board finally after five weeks of uh, MFL play. They are on the board with a win after their big seven-point victory over the Hoosiers on Sunday. Uh, so we're going to talk to Ali Baidun about that, some of the uh, recent things being talked about in regards to the Sailors organization. From there, we're going to talk a little bit uh, about the Phantoms, uh, some of the issues that they're having. They've uh, they've dropped a couple games here, so we're going to deep dive into what exactly has gone right, what's gone wrong with the Phantoms, uh, and just do a full kind of uh, deep dive. We'll talk to Captain Ray Smith and uh, see his insights into some of the issues facing the team. And finally, we'll talk about Grimsby. The Grimsby Football Club, uh, they've really come along. I called them uh, two weeks ago, actually, the sleeping giant of uh, the Michigan Football League, and uh, I meant it. Um, you know, they're showing it right now. They're hitting their stride. So we're going to talk to Peter Boyer, uh, the Grimsby team captain, about uh, some of the things uh, that's happened to the team over the last week or two, and uh, really why the team is starting to perform so well at this given moment. So all that and more, I'm Between the Cones. Play the theme. We interrupt this program for a special news bulletin. The Michigan Football League's first and only talk show. Cut! Oh my God! Come on! Between the Cones. Cut! Oh, now when you're about to guard me, you're... Begins now. Right side. All righty. As promised, we're going to start out today's episode talking about the Sailors. Sailors, a historic franchise in the Michigan Football League, currently the longest-running team, sitting at, I think, three years they've been in the Michigan Football League, run by their captain, Ali Baydoun, two-time executive captain of the year, uh, really accomplished a whole lot, but has struggled this year on many different fronts. We'll hear from him in a little bit. First, I want to break down this team. All right, this is a team that is so perplexingly bad but has so much potential. So we'll start out with the facts. All right. Currently they're sitting at one and four. Not great. Right. Uh, they start out the season. zero and four, not great, but they picked up a win. Not too bad. They picked it up against a uh, fellow bottom feeder, the Hoosiers, uh, in a game that was, uh, honestly really good. It was a really quick game, but it was 35, 28. It was very back and forth. Dylan Brown led the team down the field in the final minute. Uh, to put the ball in the end zone to put them up by seven. And uh, just spectacular uh, end of the game there. Really enjoyable. 
to watch. Um, so with that win um, this past week, it does give them a little bit of wiggle room. And what I mean by that is it keeps them alive for now. So I kind of want to talk about the the win a little bit. We talked about the last second drive down the field by Dylan Brown. Did you know this was Dylan Brown's first game with more touchdowns and interceptions this year? <laughs> I'm not kidding. He had three touchdown passes compared to uh, one interception. He had one rushing touchdown, 62 yards rushing, and 226 yards on the ground. He also completed more than 50% of his passes, sitting at 51%. Very, very impressive. Good performance by Dylan Brown. Way to get out there and uh, keep his head high, continue to play at uh, a level that we know that he can. So that was his best game of the year, by far. Uh, it seemed like he settled in as the game went on, and clearly the end result shows that. However... We need to talk about the offense as a whole. We can't just talk about one week. As I said, it was his first game where he had more touchdowns and interceptions. It's not great. Stat line on the year is seven touchdown passes, 13 interceptions, leads league, um, 53% uh, completion percentage, and 856 yards. That's not a good stat line. All right, I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to sit here and try and paint a pretty picture. It's not a good stat line. All right, he's got seven touchdown passes compared to 13 interceptions. They're also eighth in total offense. They're dead last. They've scored 136 points. And if you want to know what 136 points actually means, I'll put this. Compare the Sailors, who are number eight, to the number one team in the league for total offense, the Jackalopes. And there's 174 points total that separate those two teams. That means that you could double every single Sailor game this year on the points that they've scored, and they still wouldn't take over the number one spot. Egregiously bad so far on this year. But they added Jack Ornstrom, they added Hudson Shields, Charlie Godman returned to the field, so they got their trio back on the field. They won with that trio, that first game that that trio's been together, Godman, Shields, and Warnstrom. They showed out. Their number five overall defense on the season held the Hoosiers to 28 points. I mean, it helps when Jade McLeod is completing whatever it was, you know, 40% of his passes, 38% of his passes, some horrible number. But they did their job. They looked decent on defense. The offense picked up steam as the game went on. Whatever, whatever, whatever. Here's what I'm getting at, all right? They pretty much have to win out um, to control their own destiny. So they do control their own destiny as long as they win the last two games on the season. They go out and win the last two. They won't finish with a winning record. It's out of the conversation now. But they can finish three and four and inch into the playoffs. So here's the sitch, right? They play the dogs this week. Yikes. All right, dogs are 5-0. and oh. uh, They've played like the best team in this league as of uh, five games in. It's it's going to be a difficult uh, test, even for the trio. Because the simple fact is that Dylan Brown hasn't shown anybody that he's capable of going out and winning a game like this this year. The stats just don't tell a pretty pitcher. But he gets that trio. They play it smart. They might be able to keep it close. And let's let's just play the hypothetical here, okay? The Sailors go out and win this week. They've got Grimsby in the final week 
um, of the season. So they'd be sitting at two and four with the opportunity to go three and four with a win against Grimsby in that final game. If they go out next week, so they have to win at least one game of these next two. So a loss this week will not completely eliminate them. So let's say, let's play uh, everyone's favorite here. The dogs go out, curb stomp them, right? 80 point victory, blowout, uh, an egregiously horrible game that no one likes watching. And they go out the final week, they beat Grimsby. They finish two and five. Bad year, right? But not technically eliminated when looking at it on paper. So a two and five finish would essentially require um, both a uh, Hoosiers lose out. So they'd have to lose every single game left one and six, which I said last week is going to happen. I still believe it's going to happen. Um, that team is not winning another game. We're not, we're not talking about that again. You guys know how I feel, but they need the Hoosiers to, to lose every game left, finish one and six. And then they need either the O's to lose out and go one and six, or they need Grimsby to lose out and go two and five. If they do that, assuming they beat Grimsby in the final week, they will get into the playoffs at a two and five record. So it would make their lives a lot easier if they didn't have to require on outside help. And if they could just win the last two weeks, go three and four and get into the playoffs, riding a three game win streak. Do I think that's going to happen? No, I don't. So we're probably looking at option two in all reality. So assuming that they have to beat Grimsby anyway in the final week, right? So bear with me, stick with me. Assuming they have to beat Grimsby in the final week anyway, you would just need Grimsby to lose this week against the O's. So in reality, they control their own destiny throughout. I mean, it's Grimsby O's this week anyway. So that situation is going to be, you know, panned out here on who they need to lose out the rest of the year. If Grimsby beats the O's this weekend, the Sailors need to root for the Phantoms to beat the O's in the final week of the season. And vice versa. If if the O's beat Grimsby, they have to beat Grimsby in that final week. So it's very complicated near the bottom. Those final three teams are, are in an arms race with each other to see which gets in. Because only one of them is getting in between the O's, the Sailors, um, and uh, the Hoosiers. I think it's a pretty safe bet that Grimsby gets in. We'll talk about that a little bit later. Um, but that's where we're currently sitting. This team has not played well throughout the season, yet they still have an opportunity to get into the playoffs. It's it's very cheeky. It's a little funny, um, <laughs> considering how poorly the, the team has played throughout this season. But they're not done yet. We have Mon. All right. We are going to welcome Mr. Ali Baydoun to the show. Ali, can you hear me? Yes, sir. All right. Welcome, Mr. Ali Baydoun, Sailors captain of nearly three years, once again to Between the Cones, longtime friend of the show. Ali, thanks for joining us. Appreciate it. Thank you for having me. So, Ali, first off, uh, a massive congratulations on uh, your team's first victory this past week against the Hoosiers. Uh, really came down to the end, and uh, you guys showed that you had some grit and went out and won it. Thank you. I appreciate it. it took a lot of hard work. So, let's talk about uh, some of the decisions, some of the stuff that's happened with the Sailors throughout these uh, last five weeks. I know that you've been eager to kind of have uh, this platform to come out and 
and discuss these topics. So I'd love to kind of pick your brain a little bit. Yes, of course. Please go ahead. <laughs> all right. So first <laughs> off, um, I got to ask. All right. So throughout uh, these first five weeks, it's been it's been rough sailing uh, for yeah. your team, for you especially. Um, yeah. And it really comes down to uh, an offensive issue when you look at uh, the statistics behind it. You guys are eighth in total offense. It's dead last um, with 136 total points on the year. Uh, and a big reason why that is, is you can, you know, point out availability, missing the big three, whatever else. But the issue has been is that your quarterback hasn't taken care of the ball. Um, Dylan Brown is, you know, he's had seven touchdown passes, averaging maybe about a little less than one and a half a game. He's had 13 interceptions at Leeds League. Um, and he's thrown for a little less than 200 yards a game, which is near the bottom of the totem pole as well. My question uh, to you, Ali, is simple. Can you kind of uh, explain why you continue to trot out uh, Dylan Brown, why the belief is still there in your quarterback? So I'm not going to sugarcoat it. I've had multiple discussions with Dylan, and I was not happy with some of some of his performances throughout the whole year. The main issue, though, is it's not that I don't have anybody else to throw out there because I can figure something out. It's just that I don't want to knock the guy down when he's never had the full ability to really play with the team. And by that, I mean is he's made some questionable decisions and I've had to pull him on the sidelines multiple times. He's like, look, listen, stop overthinking and just make the damn throw. Just make the simple throw. Mm-hmm. Last week during our game, the game we won against the Hoosiers, in the beginning, it was already looking rough. I had to pull him on the side. I'm like, listen to me. I'm not going to throw anybody else in there because I want you to play quarterback, but you need to make the right decisions. This is your chance to prove to me that you're the right quarterback for the team. And throughout those weeks, again, like you said, we lost the big three. We've only had four or five guys in the field. The only real star receiver we've had until up until last week was only Charlie. And we can't rely on him because there's a lot of excellent defenses out there. But when it came to last week, and I'm like, look around you. You have Wernstrom now. You have Charlie. You have Ryan Zare, who's a good supplement option. You have Hudson Shields. There is no excuse for you not to not to be successful right now. And then after I talked to him about it and Charlie gave him a few words, you know, he actually picked it up. And that's what I wanted to see from him. It's only up from here. He needs to connect with these receivers that we now have because we're now able to supplement or add in this full squad. And I expect him to prove to everybody else that with these weapons, you're able to succeed. And it's up to him to prove it to me now. So where does the hope exist that, that Dylan can improve? I mean, obviously he, he had a game this last week where Brown had more touchdowns and interceptions. That was the first time that it happened through the first five weeks. Where does the hope exist that this is going to become a common trend throughout the next two games when you really need him to be that guy? So the confidence comes from who, like I said, like is finally on the field is because the one thing I've noticed with Dylan is the second something goes wrong. And I've told him this, and I'm sure he's comfortable with me sharing this with everybody. It's more so the fact that when something knocks him down or he gets frustrated and he starts to overthink right away when his only star receiver up until last week with Charlie Godman is not always available because he's getting swarmed by the defense and he can't rely on anybody else at the current moment. It's going to make him feel like shit and it's going to make him, you know, overthink every freaking decision. But again, after last week, after we told him exactly what to do and my new receivers, along with Charlie, communicated with him during the game. Hey, look for me on this play. Hey, I'm going to do this. 
And the second he started rolling, I already saw that confidence just blooming in him because he was not afraid to make that tough throw. He was not afraid to make that crucial QB run for a first down to basically seal the deal. Like he, once he has that confidence, he's able to do things that I've always wanted him to do. So I would like to ask you a personal question. I don't know if you look in the league media circles or whatever else, but I know this was something you were eager to uh, discuss and it's uh, a story that was posted on the Michigan uh, Football League website last week when you guys were 0-4, uh, and it was all about the sell-the-team campaign. Um, okay. That uh, I'm going to read a little passage here. With a woeful record of 0-4, obviously you guys are 1-4 now, the Sailors have been outscored by their opponents by a staggering 231-101. to The team struggles have been apparent in every facet of the game, and the fan base has grown tired of witnessing lackluster performances week after week. I just wanted to get your thoughts on the sell the campaign with your face on the shirt and, um, (laughs) and kind of just, just gauge the general feeling about that. So look, everybody has a right to question my leadership. Everybody up up to, again, when we were owned for at the time when the article was, was released, they had a right to call me out and be like, what the hell am I doing? The thing is, I'm not going to be the one to hide behind the fact that we lost Ouellette, we lost Marks, we lost Marincelli, and our team was screwed until Charlie Godman, Jack Wernstrom, and Hudson Shields were all available to finally play together as a team, and we're all on track to show up every week. I'm not going to hide behind that because I stood, should, still should have made something happen within those four weeks, and I didn't do it. My team, ever since I jumped in this league, obviously I'm not the best player in the league, but my strong suit was knowing how to draft a damn team. And I felt like I let myself down, even though part of it was not my fault. I still held some of that guilt. And the best thing I can say is after losing those big, that big three with this new squad that is finally able to show up every week, I'm going to turn around and we're going to make a push for those playoffs. And that's all I can say. I've been successful in the past and I don't want people doubting me now. So let's talk about uh, those playoffs. In your three years as captain, you've made them every single year. Uh, the first year, uh, you were in the uh, conference championship, the semifinals. In the second year, you won the championship. The third year, you were in the championship. Uh, your team this year, surprisingly, uh, still controls their own destiny. Uh, so I was kind of uh, walking this through before we had you on uh, to the listeners. But as far as I can configure it in my head, you guys uh, would have to win one of your next two games. Um, and with that, uh, it would require some help. So if you win the next two, you're in. If you win one of the next two, you'd need some help from both the Hoosiers, who need to lose out, and you'd need either the O's or Grimsby to lose out. So what I'm getting at here is, being that you still control your own destiny, the playoffs is still entirely a possibility with two games left. What's been your message to the team? What's been the kind of morale and, and feeling in the locker room? I've been up front with my team, especially right after we won the game. I'm like, listen, boys, I gave them every possibility. This upcoming week against the Dogs is probably, probably going to be one of our biggest challenges this year. But I'm confident because we finally have our full squad and we know what we're doing, so we're going to put up a fight. And I told them, even if we lose to the Dogs and we beat Grimsby, even though there's still a chance, I don't want to leave it to the other teams to control our destiny. This is our chance right now to show that we're playoff material by putting a fight to the dogs this week and beating them. Because I can, I feel like we can beat Grimsby with this full squad. So there's still going to be that chance that we can make the playoffs. But I told them, 
I want to win this week because if we win this week, we can prove to the world that we're ready and we're built for the playoffs. So let's talk about this next game. Uh, it is a uh, 6.30 um, kickoff. Might change all over to 5.30 or stay at 6.30, depending. Um, but, I mean, nobody's giving you guys a chance in, in the league circles, uh, in, in the chats, uh, the social medias. Um, and I just want to kind of know, like, what's the feeling among your big three? Have you talked to them about this game at all? Like, what is what is like a vet like Hudson Shields have to say about a game? Because <laughs> he's Hudson, he's played a yeah. lot of games like. This. Oh no, of course, Hudson's had, had he had some interesting words to say. His thing is, um, shut up, we're winning this week. Every time I said, yeah, there's still a possibility. You know, if we lose to the dogs this week, which I don't want to do, we beat Grimsby. There's still a good chance we'll make it. He said, nah, we're winning out. No, we're winning out. He doesn't want to leave it to chance, just like me. Hudson's a vet. He's been in this thing more longer than I have. And he's the kind of guy that I turn to. And the one thing that comes with him that not many talk about other than his skills is his leadership. And when he has something to say, or he wants to, you know, hype up the team, he's right there doing it. And when he has some words to say to me, if I'm doing something wrong, he says it to me. He's that guy. And I'm so happy that he's back on the squad. Couldn't ask for anybody else. So when a hall of famer, goes into your chat and says, we're winning this week. Somebody who's won a lot of games like this. What do you think that does to the morale of a locker room? Oh, I got them hyped up. Every time I text in the group chat now, everybody's responding. Everybody's ready. Hudson got that team ready, and I could just tell. Like, Dylan's hungry. After that win, I just saw Dylan's face light up, and he was so excited for the next game. He's already talking about game plan. He's already scheming. And that's partly tying to the fact that, like I said earlier, when Dylan has that confidence, I believe in him. And after we won, I could already tell he's ready to show up right again on Sunday. Um, so final question. Uh, obviously, we talked about a fair share of, of bad things uh, in this session, uh, rightfully so. But I wanted to ask about a good thing. Uh, we just briefly kind of skipped over um, your big win against the Hoosiers uh, with that big three of Godman, Warnstrom, and, um, and Shields. Uh, I want to know what you saw from a captain's perspective during that game, especially that final drive, uh, you know, minute left to go by, by Brown as he went right down the field uh, and capped it off with a running touchdown. So my, the, the turning point, which really made me think like, damn, like we got a team is that run play by Dylan because there's that instant connection. And this is something that, this is something that I wanted to highlight about Hudson Shields. And what I wanted to highlight was the fact that on that run play by Dylan Brown for that rushing touchdown, Hudson was keeping an eye on Dylan the whole time. And then when Dylan started to make his move, Hudson shifted back. And the second he saw Dylan darting across the field, he came all the way back to block for him. Many people would just sit there, stared, or just wondered what was going on or trying to focus on the route. Hudson kept his eyes on the field the whole time to see what was happening and the second I saw that I knew it's like this is a different team now the fact that Hudson knows how to make the right play in the moment Charlie walking up to Dylan being listen it's open downfield all the time I'm open down the middle just throw it down the middle to me or Hudson on the crossing route Jack Wernstrom just darting across the field for the deep ball Wernstrom's a little bit rusty but there are quite a few throws where it was right there to Wernstrom, and the second he gets back on his feet, I know he's going to be a deep ball threat. 
Like, it was just a different team than every other week where we've just gotten destroyed. And nobody has seen my team play like this all year. And it made me that much more excited to see what we've got for the rest of the year. Well, Ali, I, I personally can't wait to see uh, how you guys perform this week. Uh, clearly, you've made uh, believers out of that locker room. And uh, I'm just I'm thrilled to see uh, what kind of performance you guys put out uh, for the rest of the season. Appreciate it. Thank you so much. Awesome. Thanks, Ali. Thank you for having me. What's going on, guys? This is Paul Schmidt, wide receiver and cornerback for the Sunfins. And I'm here to talk to you about Nalgene water bottles. When I'm out there catching passes and scoring touchdowns, there's nothing more important than keeping my body hydrated. And the Nalgene water bottle does that to perfection. From sizes 6 ounces to 96 ounces, there's one for the whole family. So visit your local Target or check out Amazon or Nalgene.com. Fins up, baby. All right. Excellent talk uh, before that commercial break with Ali Baydoun. We'll have Ray Smith coming up here momentarily as we get him sorted out with the phone lines. In the meantime, let's talk about those phantoms. And in particular, this is the most challenging um, league preparation I've done for a show like this because it's an issue that doesn't really have a reason why it's an issue. It's hard to dissect. It really, really is. So here is the Phantoms issue, all right? Per usual, we're going to lay out the facts, and then we'll add on the commentary on top of that after it. The Phantoms have lost three of their last four. All right? They're riding a two-game losing streak. Last two weeks against the Blue Angels two weeks ago, and then Grimsby this past week. But here's where it gets weird, all right? So they have a losing record right now. They're sitting at two and three. And here's where it gets weird. Their three-headed dragon at the top, right? Three-headed monster is Cole Fleming, Ray Smith, Kamari Pearson. That's the offense. Those three guys right there. All three of those guys are top three in every statistical category for their position. You look at Cole Fleming. He's got 1,300 yards passing, first in league. 23 touchdown passes, first in league. 68% completion percentage. Second in league, Ray Smith, right on the receiving end, 649 yards. That's good enough for second in the league. 12 touchdown receptions, uh, good enough for third in the league, and 49 catches, which is good for first in the league by a wide margin. I'm talking about a margin of like 11 or 12 catches, right? Like large margin between one and two. So he's catching a whole lot of footballs. Then we look at Kamari Pearson, who's on the other side of Ray Smith on that offense. He's got six, uh, 465 yards, good enough for third in the league. 14 touchdown catches, second in the MFL. 34 catches, which is third. And then we get into some of the uh, lesser um, stats that don't make the team look so good. Cole Fleming, second in the MFL with 10 interceptions. And Kamari Pearson, uh, first in the MFL with seven drops. So despite all these fantastic numbers from these three, they're fifth in total offense in the league right now. They're fourth in defense. All right, so they're not on either side of the top three 
and actually on offense, they're in the bottom, the bottom three of the Michigan football league. What is the reason behind this? All right. Cause right now they have statistically one of the best quarterbacks and listen, you can go out and say that the weapons are making Cole look good. Um, you know, having Kamari and Ray on either side is a huge benefit. And I, I'm not going to disagree with you. You know, it is, but at the end of the day, Cole's the one throwing the football. <laughs> like he's completing a, a wide majority of his passes. He's been uh, consistent as they come, you know, he's two to one touchdown interception ratio. Um, I mean, the stat line speaks for itself. I mean, it really, really does. You know, he's averaging 300 yards a game, something that a lot of quarterbacks in this uh, can't do. So you can't pin it on Cole, right? You can't pin it on Ray because, let's face it, Ray's putting up in, you know, in numbers. Kamari, the drops, doesn't really, you know, some of them lead to turnovers for the most part. They're first and second down deep throws that go in and out of his hands. You know, it happens, but that's not the reason why either. So what is the reason? And the only thing that I could come up with, well, looking at this team on paper and, and being at their games was a lack of a certain element that every other team in this league, uh, give or take, obviously, I mean, some of the bottom lesser teams don't, but I'm getting ahead of myself. It comes down to depth. The Phantoms have no depth whatsoever. Nothing. They were very active in the draft process. They moved up in the second round. They gave away one of their picks. Um, they've only got seven guys rostered right now on the team. Most other teams have eight or nine. And believe it or not, that extra guy or two really, really helps, especially when two of the guys on the Phantoms haven't shown up in weeks. So... I point to depth as the reason for the struggles because the team is talented. The individuals are putting up, but the team is not. So let's look at the depth, right? You got Troy Aikens, who's missed three games so far. I don't think he's been there for the last two weeks. Um, you know, he showed up for the first couple of weeks, but really hasn't been, hasn't been there, right? He was the security blanket for Fleming when, um, the play would break down or, or bad routes would be run or whatever else. He was the guy who'd be underneath. You also look at Mike Mathias, their first round pick, um, who has not shown up uh, to any game except for the dogs game during week two. So he's missed week one, uh, week three, week four, and now week five, right? So he's missed four games for the fourth overall pick. Not great. And obviously there's still time. I mean, the playoffs are on the horizon. Um, you know, they're kind of in a push as is right now with a two and three record, two very important games coming up uh, the next two weeks. So he could show up, right? I think it's premature to, to say, you know, anything about the draft pick right now, but it's not looking great because the guy just hasn't been there. Um, and when he has been there, you know, I mean, given it was a broken game in, in prime time where they lost on pretty every aspect of, you know, the game, but he didn't make an impact against the dogs. That's just the truth. I mean, you can look at the stat line if you want to. He had maybe one or two catches, maybe 16 or 17 yards. I'm not going to pull it up, but um, it's not good, right? So, you know, when you show up with the bare minimum amount of people, which is five, you're forced to put people in awkward positions. Uh, 
on the defensive side and you know you're forced to play with guys who are playing both ways on the offensive side and it's not good it's not a recipe for success so to pin this all on one guy or the other say oh this is because kamari drops the ball right when with the leading with seven or hey this is not cole because cole throws you know 10 interceptions it's just not the case right these guys are are consistent in other areas on the stat sheet and in the game um, where they're individually putting up it has to be a depth issue so that's how i landed to that conclusion um that i think it is a depth problem for the phantoms and a big reason why they have dropped uh three of their last four and currently sit at at two and three looking on the outside in of um you know a top four seed and are in the conversation with the likes of the sailors the o's the hoosiers for who's gonna get in right so enough of me rambling um do we have him all right we do have him we're gonna bring on ray smith here as soon as he connects in can you hear me ray yeah, it was good, Jack. Hey, Ray, thanks for coming on the show, man. Really appreciate it. Uh, we're super excited to have you on once again. Yeah, it's good to be here. Uh, so let's deep dive uh, right into this, Ray. Uh, the Phantoms, uh, which you are the captain player of, uh, leading receiver of, is a very interesting uh, situation this season. Um, for starters, you guys are two and three through five games, losing record, but still right in the playoff hunt. Um, you need pretty much one more win out of the last two games to punch your ticket in, uh, to get to that magic, uh, kind of golden three, uh, win spot. What's the plan to, to make that happen here over the next two games and break this, uh, this two game, uh, losing streak you guys got going? Uh, it's pretty simple in my eyes. Um, one, we're going to have, um, to need guys to show up, you know, I think our biggest, um, enemy is just avail availability, and um, when guys show up, we just got to perform and make plays. The talent's there; it's just um, a matter of showing up and showing out, really. Being on the field, have you kind of felt uh, that kind of depth issue uh, come up on you guys as you get into the third and fourth quarter, and you're playing the same, you know, five or six guys both ways? Um, me personally, um, I've shockingly haven't been as tired as I've been in the past, but, um, I think, um, no matter who you are, fatigue definitely kicks in and it plays a role. So, um, yeah, it definitely plays a role. So I'm kind of curious what the issue is here. Cause on paper, uh, you know, in the, in the stat sheets, you guys are, you know, leading the league in various uh, things Cole uh, your quarterback is leading it in passing yards he's got 1300 he's got 23 touchdown passes completing 68 percent of his passes you yourself have uh, 649 yards that's second in the entire league third in touchdown receptions with 12 first in catches with nearly 50 sitting at 49 and then your teammate uh, rookie Kamari Pearson uh, sitting right behind you third in uh, receiving yards second in receiving touchdowns third in catches so I'm just kind of curious with with all this good stuff happening on the stat sheets, what isn't translating to finish out games? Uh, more so finishing out, I think, as well how we start. Sometimes I think we get more off to a slow start, um, like with the dogs, um, or even this past week with the Grimsley. So we playing catch up, and not to say that the stats are um, 
garbage time stats because we end up do you know getting back in the game or whatever. But uh, a lot of them is us just trying to play catch up. And even then, you know, um, this past week, you know, I'll have whatever so yards, Cole had whatever so yards. We get, you know, we have four turnovers, four or five turnovers. So whatever we scoring, the turnover is almost the same. So it's really, we kind of really not helping ourselves. We get five touchdowns with five interceptions. You know, it's, it's no type of leverage. It's a step. Kind of like one step forward, two steps backward with the touchdowns and turnovers. Pretty much, yeah. So you kind of touched on this a little bit with uh, the, you know, guys not showing up, that being an issue that's leading to depth and other things, putting guys in awkward positions. Um, will we see your first round pick, pick number four, Mike Mathias again this year? He showed up to week two. Uh, he played in the slot, but we have not seen him since then. Have you been in communication with Mathias and do you expect to see him on the field again? Um, yeah, pick number three, <laughs> but um... – I do expect to see him. I know this past week, um, I believe he had his brother, I think it was a graduation or something. It was something like that. Um, but, you know, hey, we all have lives outside of this. So I'll never take it too personal when, you know, guys have something going on last minute. But the plan is to um, have a full army going into the playoffs in these last two weeks, but definitely the playoffs. So uh, another rookie that has actually done really well, and I kind of touched on his numbers, was Kamari Pearson. This was someone who you traded up in the second round to go get. Uh, you believe you gave up a second and third round pick to go up and get it. Uh, it's paid off massively as uh, Pearson has played exceptionally well. How has he contributed to the other side of you um, and really made your offense kind of uh, uh, dual-sided? Um, I could I since he was a baller when I seen him in the combine. So um I'm not really worried too much about him. Um offensively at all. You know, we both do what we do and uh, make the most of our opportunities and you know, we got a chance to make a play on the ball. I'm more concerned of um just I think we gotta be way more consistent defensively and just um with turnovers and getting off the field on fourth down really. So I also want to touch on your starting quarterback, Cole Fleming, who was a fifth round pick by you. Uh, you said you were going to get him right on draft night. And so far in the statue, he's looked really well. He's thrown maybe a little more interceptions than you'd like him to. He's sitting at 10 on the year. It's second in the league, but everywhere else, you know, he's made some pretty decent plays. Uh, what are your thoughts on your quarterback? And uh, do you feel confident with him heading into these final two weeks where you kind of have to make some things happen? Uh, it's definitely been a bipolar season for Cole. Uh, I think as long as he's playing in the whole league, I think really got to not do too much, you know, know his skill set and just make the play and read the defense better. Because uh, if uh, we have him playing like he did against either the Grimsies or the Dogs, we are uh, going to lose in the playoffs or not even make it, you know. Uh, so you personally, Ray, you've played you've played pretty great this season. Uh, you don't need to hear your numbers again. I'm sure that you know them. Um, but you're by far the leading receiver on that team when it comes to catches, yards. Um, Kamari's got you beat by two touchdowns. But for the most part, um, it's all, you know, it's all you on the receiving end. 
what's gone right for you personally uh, on the field this year and uh, how do you kind of hope to finish that out strong? Um, nothing. I've, I've done what I've always been doing when I'm here. It's nothing new to me. I know last year I missed a lot of games, but the games I played in, if you was there, my you could easily tell I was the best player on the field. So, I mean, I've, I've been doing the same routine. So, um, nothing's really changed or has been different for me. I guess more people are just seeing it when they come and watch me play. That's the only difference. Um, so I've noticed a couple times, uh, during your guys' losing streak or during just your three losses on the year, um, when you kind of get down late in the game and the writing's on the wall, you've made a point to tell your teammates, you know, play for pride, you know, kind of like that, uh, type of thing to kind of amp them up, get them to finish out the game. What does like playing for pride really mean for you? It is my job as a captain. You know, really set the, we're, we're up, we're down. But definitely, we, you know, we're kind of over, but, you know, you don't want it to look worse than what the score, she you know, whatever. So, really just, when I say play with pride, it's just, you know, have some respect for yourself, you feel me? It's like, you know, go out like a man if you're going to go out. Don't go out with your head held low and things of that nature. So, I'm I'm heavy on pride and being about my business regardless, you know, a win or loss and knowing that I, I gave it all on the field. So... So speaking of giving it all on the field, you guys have two more games left on the season, have not clinched a playoff spot yet, sitting at that two-win kind of zone. You guys play the Jacks this weekend. Mm -hmm. The following weekend, you've got the O's, another team fighting for playoff positioning. Um, What are your thoughts on the Jacks this weekend? And then follow-up question, what are your thoughts on the O's this next weekend? Do you think that you guys will be able to get it done and get one more win done? Um, well, first starting off with the Jacks, um, it's going to be a very competitive. With they've the, done, you know, regardless of who they've done against, they've done it. So that speaks for itself. Um, in terms of me, I know I'm going to show up regardless who I'm on the field with because I feel like I'm the best player regardless. Okuda, come along with me. And I like our chances. And the same with the others. So with that, Ray, that's every single question I got. I want to know if you have any message to kind of league who's been uh, kind of sleeping on the phantoms during this kind of rough last two weeks for you guys. And what's your kind of message as we're gearing towards, uh, you know, the games that really matter here? Um, No message needed. Uh, We just got to show out and um, compete as a team, not, you know, single-handedly, but come through and compete as a team because regardless of, you know, what I've done against teams or what Kamari's done, you know, we're two and three. So, me getting five touchdowns, whatever, so yards and picked, that means nothing if we still come out with a loss. So, we just need the whole crew to ride, ride with me these last two games and through the playoffs. Well, Ray Smith joined the show, uh, kind of talk about the uh, the Phantoms and their kind of playoff hunt moving forward. Ray, I really appreciate you coming on given your insights and I wish you best of luck. Uh, maybe not this week, but definitely uh, <laughs> last week against the O's. All right, Jack. I'll see you Sunday, man. All right. Take it easy, Ray.
Whopper, 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 Junior Double, Triple Whopper, Flame Grill taste with perfect toppers, I rule this day. Lettuce, mayo, pickle, ketchup, it's okay if I don't want that impossible, or bacon, Whopper, any Whopper my way. Welcome back in between the cones sitting right here. Final segment of the day. We're going to be talking about Grimsby. Grimsby FC, the football club, the soccer kids. Made quite a name for themselves here over the last two weeks of play. And last week we talked about Grimsby. I don't want to harp on the same talking points that we had, but I definitely want to extend on some of the stuff that I saw this this uh, Saturday. So, the main thing that I wanted to talk about with Grimsby is how much growth you've seen, particularly on the field, and how that's bled through on the stat sheet. The craziest part about this team for me, for me personally, is how they jumped from the number seven offense to the number three offense in a matter of uh, two weeks. That is insane. right? So they've scored 238 points. They're sitting right behind the the golden teams uh, of the league right now, the premier ones, Dogs, Jacks, Blue Angels. They're sitting right there uh, in that special zone at number three. So they're right there with the big dogs, you know, quite literally and metaphorically. However, their defense is still bad. It's putrid. It's horrible. Billy Salami has done a great job on that defense, stepping up as the number one cornerback, but it isn't good enough. All right, the the team lost the Blue Angels because of it. Um, and, you know, they're still sitting bottom three because of some of these poor performances they put out. And, I mean, they're lucky that Luke Every came this past week because they're not beating the Phantoms without every under center. So having him was tremendous. So, in an honor of continuing our Grimsby discussion... Right, I want to talk about um, the last two weeks. And in particular, I want to talk about how well they've played. Uh, so for starters, they've won two in a row. They've beat the Hoosiers, the Phantoms. They're sitting two and three after starting out 0 and three. Massive, big time, sitting right there. Fourth overall seed right now if the season ended. So they, they likely lost. You know, their, their three wins were, were likely to the top three seeds in the playoffs. Now I'm talking, of course, about the Dogs, Jackalopes, Blue Angels. That's who they've lost to. So their magic number is they need one more win. They have two more weeks, just like the Phantoms did. They have two more weeks to get one more win. And they punch their ticket in. Pow. In. Stamp it. So let's talk about the matchup this week. Got flexed to primetime because my phone was blowing up for the better part of three days to flex it. Thanks, everyone. So we flexed it. 7.30, Sunday night football, right? And they play the O's this weekend in what promises to be the first time we've seen the full O's team since their week one loss uh, by one point against the Blue Angels, a game that they pretty much quit in the fourth quarter, but we can talk about that another time. This weekend against the O's, 
the matchup itself favors Grimsby. If I was a betting guy right now, I'd say that Grimsby wins this game by seven, somewhere in the middle, 10 points. I think definitely two possessions. They're the better team. They've played together the last two weeks as a team. And the O's are coming into this game widely, um, don't want to say inexperienced because they have a lot of guys, they have championship caliber players on that team. But they have guys who haven't played together yet this season or really haven't the last month. Beyond that, Grimsby has the much bigger uh, and deeper unit. So they've got uh, Yono, Bear, and Salami as their main three receivers. That itself is fantastic. Not to mention you get Luke every back with a game underneath his belt, so he's not making his first or second start of the season, I guess, in prime time, right? So he got a get-right game, and now he's back. He's developing that chemistry with those three receivers of Yono, Bear, and Salmi, who are all coming into their own as receivers themselves, right? The three rookies, figure that. Um, and like I said, I mean, I can't under you know understate the importance of Luke Every returning to the field. Luke had six touchdown passes, one interception last week, 291 yards, completed just under 50% of his passes, sitting at 48%, but continued to play better as the game went on. He is the sole reason why they beat the Phantoms last week. I mean, no one in the receiving category was overly impressive. It was every. Every found every receiver. So Grimsby, they're currently hitting their stride. I said a couple weeks ago that they were the sleeping giant of the MFL. And I still stand by it. The only thing is, is now they're not so much uh, sleeping. People know. People are noticing. And you want to know who's noticing is the O's and the Phantoms and the teams fighting with Grimsby to get in. Um, so I said 10-point Grimsby uh, win. I'm going to up that. I'm going to say 14. They win by 14 this weekend. And I think Lawson Shields a real fine quarterback. Dylan Fleming, pedigree speaks for itself, really talented himself. But they're walking uh, they're walking into a bad situation on primetime. I mean, if this team can figure out how to play defense, man, I'm just telling you they're a top three team in this league. No doubt in my mind. If they can just manage <laughs> the the strategic end of how to play American football defense. Maybe put up soccer posts or something. I I don't know. Give him a goalie. So I talked about that deeper unit of Yono, Bear, and Salami, the three rookies, how much I was impressed by them personally. And I want to highlight one in particular. I want to highlight Garrett Bear, a third-round pick. Figure that, right? He's been fantastic this year. I mean, he's going to be in the running for offensive rookie of the year. Um, without a doubt. I mean, he is becoming, you know, I think he will become, I should say Luke Every's uh, safety valve. Cause he's just always open. He f- manages to find a way to get open. So Dylan Fleming, the vet man, he's going to have his hands filled this weekend trying to cover this rook. Cause he is talented, man. So far this year, he's got 276 yards receiving. It's the 10th in the entirety of the league. He's got nine touchdown catches. Puts him at top five, sitting at number five. Top five in receiving touchdowns. 
He's got 29 catches, tied for fourth in that category. And listen, I mean, we saw it last week. He just gets better with Salami on the other side. I mean, you put Salami on the other side of that, an actual threat opposite of him where teams have to kind of split their safety over, maybe put not their best corner on Bear. He eats him alive in the middle of the field. I mean, you saw it this week, you know? I mean, listen, Salami's more than just a decoy himself. I mean, Billy Salami came in late, you know, all because I ran into him in a line in Dairy King, of all places. Last week, he had eight catches for 134 yards and a hat trick, three touchdowns. Allowed Bear to get open on that last play and, and really drive him down the field where Luke Every felt comfortable. He just laid out to him. So really, really impressed with Grimsby. I have been for the last two weeks, um, really three weeks uh, with that close loss to the Blue Angels. But uh, they're really going to have to show it this weekend because the O's are going to bring it, especially with a full team. They're fighting for playoff positioning as well, man. Uh, it's going to be big time. It is It is certainly going to be big time. So we got the people's champ. Get him. We're currently loading Peter Boyer, the people's champ, who's about to come on to the show. We got him on the on the line. All right, we're going to welcome him in. Pete, can you hear me? Can you hear me, Peter? I got you loud and clear, Commissioner. All right, we're joined by the people's champ, Grimsby, Captain Peter Boyer. Uh, Peter, I want to deep dive right into this here about your team. Um, you guys have been nothing short uh, than uh, spectacular the last two weeks of play. Uh, you've now won two straight after starting on 0-3, currently sitting in the fourth-seeded spot in the playoffs. You got, I mean, what's what's changed with you guys these last two weeks? Yeah, the biggest thing our injuries that we had, losing Luca and Dante for the season. Terrence has now had eye surgery, too. We were able to add Billy and Josh, and uh, Luke was also had his uh, jaw surgery, so we didn't have a quarterback for the first three weeks. And being able to add Billy and Josh was huge for uh, the roster, huge for the chemistry, huge for the team, because they have minds in football that are great. They help us out, and we were able to build chemistry and everything. And uh, you could say that, like, we struggled without a QB. Billy definitely stepped up. He had no problem playing QB. He, he knew what he was doing, like, you could say, like, yeah, we had, we choked a bit against the Blue Angels. He threw four interceptions, one of them being the last play of the game, Hail Mary. But Billy and Josh have been huge for us, and ever since they joined, we were able to take a turn for the best. So, yeah, I wanted to talk about Billy Salami. He really came into his own last week as a receiver with Luke at the helm. I mean, what's it like uh, been, uh, having him on the team as a new addition? I don't know if you had any prior history with him, but uh, how's he been uh, on the field and off? Yeah, Billy, I never uh, personally knew him, never heard of his name before he uh, came up on our roster. And he's able to play every position. He knows exactly what he's doing. He's helping us. He's a, he's a coach on the field. He's one of the best free agents, I think, in Michigan Football League history, if I, you had to ask me. Definitely, definitely a top-tier free agent ad when looking at the long historical free agent ads of the Michigan Football League. So, uh, Peter, I wanted to ask you about, uh, in particular, 
Uh, your offense has been fantastic. You guys are now the number three offense in the Michigan Football League, only behind the Jackalopes and the Dogs. However, the defense has been a little bit lackluster still. You guys are still sitting uh, in the uh, bottom half of that, uh, the bottom three, five overall. Uh, what's the plan to kind of fix the defense as you guys head into a crucial last game? Yeah, the uh, defense also played into effect with, like, missing people, injury reserve, not having the experience with, like, Josh and Billy. But in addition to that, we played the Dogs, the Blue Angels, the Jacks, and the Phantoms. We haven't played a bottom-tier team yet, and we, we've really stepped up our defense game now and we're able to work out that chemistry, what to do in what scenario. And we've really figured that out and worked on that the past few weeks. And I think going into the season, I would rather figure that out the first few weeks against some tough teams and learn valuable lessons than later on in the season, which we've had. So I wanted to ask in particular a personal question for you. And I wanted to ask about your psychological game, which there's two types. There's obviously you playing as a receiver and as a DB. And then there's the more uh, trash talk type aspect of your game. What goes into that? Is there any prep work that goes into it, or is it just come natural to you? It just comes natural. I mean, playing as a DB and a wide receiver, you got to do something to really get me to talk trash to you. Like, Jaden last year, man, that guy, he made a clown of himself. I don't know what he was doing. Now his team's falling apart, man. Like, I don't even need to talk trash on that. But you got to really, you got to look for it. And then if you if you look for that, I'm going to put it right into you. Like, you're going to, like, it's like shooting yourself in the foot, but I'm going to fucking load the bullet for you. So it just, it just, you just kind of observe the situation and you go after people if they go at you first. Because yeah. even this, this I mean, last week uh, against the Phantoms, I noticed a little bit of jawing between you and uh, uh, number 12 on there, or not 12, uh, 20, whatever it was, uh, Andrew Wakenell. Uh, how did that uh, t- transpire? Who's that? Uh, that was Andrew Wakenell. That was the kid with the headband that uh, you were jawing with this last week. Oh, yeah, I don't recognize him by the name, but that makes sense. Yeah, uh, right from the get-go, first play of the game, going after our first overall pick, Nick Yano, for absolutely no reason. Not sure if he, it's because he brought his dad, wanted to show him how to play some nice two-hand touch football, real physical. But, you know, then first play, he goes to fed me because Cole thinks there's a blitz. Because his hand's all up in me, trying to shove me down like, oh, baby, you may be taller than me, bigger than me, weigh 100 pounds heavier than me. But, man, baby, you ain't, you ain't going to move me like that, that easily. But, I mean, bro, bro looks like a lost puppy trying to defend Josh on a throw. I've never seen a dog more lost than that in my life. So, um, <laughs> we also have uh, some more uh, jawing that will probably be going on as uh, we haven't played it yet, but coming back after this break, uh, John Delaney. Uh, someone that you'll be playing this next week sent in a voice memo uh, to the Grimsby team. Do you have anything that you want to say to John before we play his clip here in the next segment? Uh, haven't really talked to John much at all recently. Never talked crap with them. But it seems like him and Garrett got something going on. But if him and Garrett got something going on, Garrett's my teammate. We got blood. Grimsby's always going to be together. So speaking of John Delaney... You guys have the O's on primetime this week, 7.30 kickoff. What are your general thoughts on the matchup? Do you guys think that uh, you're pretty confident that you're going to come out with the win? 
I'm I'm extremely confident. I think it will be a good display for us offensively and a great place to uh, show where we've worked on our defense and how we've improved because we've only played against stellar offensive teams so far. And the O's haven't had that reputation of having a stellar offense, so we'll make sure and uh, lock down on our defense and limit them as much as we can. So you guys uh, at Grimsby, you finish out your season um, after the 4th of July break against the Sailors. Just kind of looking forward to that. Uh, you guys could possibly be in a situation, depending on how this week flips, where that's a must-win game to clinch the playoffs. Where's your mind at right now uh, needing one more win throughout these last two weeks, Peter Boyer? Yeah, our mind is uh, we got two games. We could play around in our stadium if we want, but these are games that we got to prove, that we got to prove that we're, we lock down our defense, our offense keeps booming, which is going to stay. Nothing's, nothing's here to leave. But really the biggest thing is that we got to just stay consistent and we're going to try some things out and see what we can do in the offense. But we played our tough game so far, and now it's our time to show that we can blow a team out by seven, eight touchdowns. Do you think that's what's going to happen this weekend? It's going to happen this weekend and after July 4th. So final question for you, uh, Pete, and it's uh, this is a message to the entirety of the Michigan Football League. Why should teams, the other seven teams, or I guess it would be five teams that get in the playoffs, be fearful of Grimsby potentially uh, getting into the playoffs, Peter Boyer? Yeah, so Grimsby, we got consistency within our team. We got players that can play all positions, that can do all things. Other teams don't do that. Other teams have one, two star players and then nothing else. Like when we played the Phantoms, we knew the ball was going to Ray every single time. Ray has some insane grabs and insane catches, touchdowns, you know. But we know where it's going, and we know how to limit that. No other team has the ability to move, throw, catch the ball as Grimsby does. No one, no one could guard all of our receivers. There's going to be at least one of our receivers that has an absolute mismatch. Well, this has been an absolute pleasure, Peter. Thanks for coming on uh, as you guys are heading into primetime this Sunday, seeking a third consecutive victory. Peter, thanks for joining us on the show, and I look forward to talking to you uh, hopefully sometime before the playoffs. Yeah, man, it's been an honor. Thanks for having me, Commissioner. Peter Boyer. This is MFL Hall of Famer and four-time league champion, Owen Fleming wishing you a very happy 2023 league football season. Go Toads, everybody. Hey, Between the Cones, this is Cole Fleming, quarterback for the Sunfins. This podcast is sponsored to you by Modelo. Drink responsibly. You just heard before that commercial break from Mr. Peter Boyer, the Grimsby captain. And as promised, we do have a send-in audio message from the O's wide receiver, John Delaney. It's been a little bit of uh, talk, a little bit of jawing between the two squads. So we're going to play that right here uh, before we uh, pack this one up and uh, and end the show. So let's, uh, let's go and take a listen from Mr. John Delaney. You know, Kamish, I told myself I was just going to keep it subtle this week and I wasn't going to say much, but now look where we are. Um, this game, what can I say? It's got a lot of weight to it. 
Got a lot of pressure building on both teams here. I've had this game circled on my calendar for about a few weeks. I've known this was going to be the biggest game of the season. Both starting quarterbacks back. Full rosters are going to be there. We're without Joe. That's huge. I got full faith in my guys over here that we're just going to go in there and we are just going to be dogs. And we are just going to be ball-hawking animals. I know where Luke's looking. I know where he's going to look. I know where G-Bear's going to be. I know where Yona will be. Their game is easy to tell, and I'm going to be I'm going to be sitting back there. Dylan's going to be sitting back there. Avery's going to sit. I got the O's in this one, Crumb. I know where they're going to be. I'm ready for this game. Wow. Definitely some interesting uh, stuff said that time by the O's rookie. Uh, should be an interesting primetime matchup this uh, Sunday at 7.30 p.m. right there at the JV field between Grimsby and the O's. Well, folks, once again, this has been a broadcast of Between the Cones. I've been your host, Jack Crum. A big thanks to all of our special guests who came on to the show, Mr. Ali Baydoun, Ray Smith, and Peter Boyer. And until uh, next week, or maybe I should say like 10 days from now, we'll have another episode coming out here. Um, but from all of us at Between the Cones, thanks for lending a listen and uh, be good.